welcome once again to a novel evening as always i'm danny you can find me on instagram as blotted ink books and over on tiktok as a novel evening podcast and for this week's episode i'm joined by an author whose novel do no harm was an absolute bookster hit i saw it everywhere last year it was the thriller of the year such rave reviews also if you saw the spredged edition something else and his newest novel conviction that i was very lucky to get a sneaky peek of it oh my goodness he is not disappointed with this follow-up novel it is so good if you love a twisty courtroom thriller this is the one for you and i'm so so excited to welcome jack jordan onto the podcast a massive hello to jack hello hello thank you so much for having me oh thank you so this has been a while in the works as well we met basically a year ago at the book party yeah that was such a good time so good. i've been trying to get you ever since you're a popular man <laughs> it's, but, but I've, I've been looking forward to this i've been thinking it'd be worth the wait but yeah we tried to do it for hardback of do no harm and then it was the paperback and now it's yep. conviction but <laughs> well, we got there yeah but i mean firstly do no harm let's take it back a minute because do no harm was crazy popular on bookstagram it was everywhere right it, a dream come true yeah insane oh when that happened you, you can't anticipate that happening um you can only hope and pray it happens um and then when it does you're almost scared to say this is happening because you don't want to you don't want to say it out loud and it be taken away so yeah so you know my publisher and I were very happy it was a, such an amazing experience oh I remember I was getting ready for the book party I remember some of my friends there and they were talking about who they want to meet and who they want to get books signed and your name was like coming up all the time like they loved the book and also you had the fanciest hardback yeah oh it has a sprayed edges so the red sprayed edge with the heart monitor line running down it that was insane again again the things you can only really hope and dream for like you you, you don't you don't try and put it in the works but if it happens it happens and it did and yeah I think it was just it was such a crazy ride and I just loved every second of it yeah and so, so you had Do No Harm that just was like crazy popular and you've written books previously, but obviously this one kind of was launched into Bookstagram at such a high level. You know, it was everywhere. You're now going to write Conviction. When you have this huge hype surrounding your books, how do you then kind of go, right, next book, I need to move on from that. How do I follow this up? How do I go on to my next book? That's a good question. And the truth is, go through it terrified. <laughs> I was actually I was writing um, conviction throughout the the buzz of dinner harm. So the pressure was it became very big, very fast. Yeah. Um, and also because conviction was quite a hard book to write. Um, so if anyone hasn't um, heard of conviction yet. So conviction is the story of defense barrister Neve Harper, who has just landed the trial of her career defending a man accused of killing, killing his family, but protested his innocence. However, leading up to the trial, she's approached by a man on the tube who reveals a secret from her past and makes her choose. She must either throw the trial and send her client to prison or her own criminal past will be exposed. So that's what conviction is about. But when I was writing it, I knew Neve was always going to be the central character, but I was writing it like a multiple point of view, which Do No Harm had, mm -hmm. um, because I wanted that, I wanted that um, familiarity for my readers to kind of follow on from that. And also I was quite used to it, but it wasn't working. I kept, I had to, some books you have to 
right the wrong way to get to the right path. It's, and this was just one of those books. And I think, to be honest, it was part of the pressure. Um, but then as soon as I thought, okay, I can only, I can, I've got to write the story I want to write. This is going to be how it's going to be. And if people love it, they love it. And if they don't, that's okay. I love it. Luckily, people are reading it and really liking it. So I'm so relieved. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have read it. I was very lucky. I got a gorgeous sneaky proof through, which I read immediately. And oh my goodness, firstly, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Thank you. And I think it is very different from Do No Harm. So people who have read Do No Harm, read your previous books, I think it is very different. It's it's very dark. I mean, Do No Harm is dark, but this is twisty. This is very psychologically effed up you know there's a lot yeah. going on there I mean how did it feel when you were writing the story did you always know how it would start and how it would end very good question I think so I think with conviction no because I think I knew how yeah no I think because I was writing it so many different ways at first I mean I'm talking I would write 30,000 words throw them in the bin wow. write 50,000 words throw them in the bin because I just wasn't getting it in the way I wanted it to go and then the pieces felt finally fell into place but do you know what it was happening throughout the draft process usually I've got it all down in the first draft and it's only just structural changes and tweaks and things but with this one the story was it was evolving through each draft until um my I had an editor at Simon Schuster who's my publisher who um signed me with Faduna Harm and Conviction but had uh but was leaving but was leaving just before um so I was working on Conviction with her and then she was going to leave to another publisher and I knew, so I won't say what the ending is, but I knew there was an ending that she wanted a character to go through, which I hadn't put in. And one, it was a brilliant idea, so I said yes. And two, I was like a parting gift because she was brilliant. Um, so yeah, so I think this one was a really, it, this was a project that grew from, from it, yeah, it just kept growing. And I think that's, that's an amazing experience as a writer to have your story keep growing around you. Um, and yeah, and I and I'm it's probably one of my probably my favorite book or one of my favorite books that I've written at the time. It wasn't. I hated it, <laughs> but now I love it. Ironically, um, and I love the cover. So interesting, you know, such a different process. Like you say, whereas previously you've had kind of the story relatively mapped out. You do your draft, you kind of know start, middle, end, and then expand on it. But to not know and just have it kind of like, oh, so now this character is going to do this, and that sounds it sounds so organic to be able to do it like that. Yeah, so I think so. So basically, with Neve Harper, so she this crime that she's committed that I won't mention because you kind of find out within the book. When you do find out, you don't find out why until much later. So you mm. don't know whether she's an ally. You don't you don't know whether to be an ally to her. You don't know whether to trust her. You don't know whether she had her reasons. Um, and when I was writing, that reason kept changing. And so it was, it was really trying to, and you know, I, I personally, I wouldn't write like that again. I like having my plan. I like, so I, you know, when people say, are you a planner or a planster? I'm a, I'd say I'm in the middle and I'm a planster. Uh, <laughs> where I like to, I know, like to know what the beginning is. I like to know a lot of the middle, but have some room to play and then have a rough idea of the end. Um, and I'm a more of a planner than I let on because I then write in acts. So I, I find the idea, I write 100,000 word books and I find them quite intimidating. Sitting down to go, I'm going to write 100,000 words now, just not going to happen. So to make it easier for myself, I write an act to kind of take that pressure off. Um, so then I will write, I'll plan out an act so I know where I'm going. 
And then I don't know, I might not know what's ahead, but then when I finish the first act, then I'll go on to the second and I'll plan a bit more there. So it's kind of, it's a marathon rather than a sprint, but that's over the years of writing. Like that's what I found my process to be or preferred process to be. Yeah. And you've mentioned, you know, Neve is a, a kind of a gray character. I think the reader's feelings will change as they're reading more about her and her actions. You know, for me, as I was reading Woman Out, I was really like, yeah, Neve. And I was like, I don't know if I should be <laughs> rooting for you. How did you feel about Neve when you were writing her? I, do you know what? I, I'm always rooting for my characters and I'm always shocked when people don't like them all the time. I just, it's really, even, even when I make them evil, even when, even when I make them, actually, no, that's a lie. When, with Dr. Anna Jones and Do No Harm, I knew people wouldn't, some people really loved her, um, but some people didn't because she was quite a cold and controlled character. Mm. Um, so I thought that might be the case. With Neve, I, oh, it's, I think she's in, a, she's in such a difficult situation. And I think when the reader finds out why, I think I have sympathy for her. Mm. Um, and I think this is why I love writing my moral dilemmas because every reader, is going to have a different perspective on how they can relate to her if they can or how they can defend her if they can or like her or dislike her um, because of their own moral compass and with the moral dilemma you can step into the main character's shoes and ask yourself what would you do in that situation and it's amazing how the reasons from reader to reader differ so I might have a way that I might do it my character might do it a different way but then readers from A to Z will have a completely different outlook on it. And I just love that feeling. When I release a book and hear people's thoughts, it's fascinating. And the question you pose in Conviction is one that I think, you know, there were points where I was like, well, there's an obvious answer to what you do. Obviously you do this, oh, you do that. And that's what I loved about this book is I ended up kind of sitting there thinking, what would I do? (laughs) What would you do in that situation? That must be so fun for you as well to get to play with that and the darker elements of that question what, what what do you do in that situation yeah I think so my philosophy when it comes to writing particularly moral dilemmas is pick a, a nice person or even if they're questionable just a person um into a really bad situation and see how they fight their way out because I think that's it, it's kind of a similarity of life we all you know good and bad people go through things throughout our lives and we have to fight our way out of them and I think that's why readers can readers get into this sort of thing because we they can relate it to the things that so they might not go through what Neve's gone through for instance and I hope they don't but they might go through something else and then reading of someone else's struggle and victory or loss who knows what happens you have to read it it can kind of be a catharsis to what they've gone through so I think that's what I love about reading and that's why I love writing these kind of stories and and I'm not afraid to go to the darker places I think it's I think we've also we've always we've all got that fascination with the darker side of stories. That's why we love true crime, and uh, that's why you know we that's why the genre is such a big genre. And yeah, and I think and it was a treat to actually um, take the moral dilemma in a legal format because I'd never written a legal thriller before. But I'd always wanted to. I knew it was going to be a challenge, but it was one I'd always wanted to do. Yeah, and I was going to say, you know, I love true crime. I'm a real true crime buff, and this felt very real you know I've watched lots of documentaries about you know killers murderers and what happens in the courtroom and I mean firstly hats off to you because this could have been a real case and I was gonna ask you you know you've not done a legal thriller before but you know the research that's involved were you inspired by any cases did you do a lot of research about cases that have happened I was really intrigued by that yeah definitely so I mean I love the research part of it I am a self-confessed geek I love reading so much I love learning about stuff so much so that's why with Do No Harm 
I learned about heart surgery, um, even though I didn't have the right, I definitely didn't go to medical school. <laughs> and then with conviction, I, you know, I'd never done um, a legal degree or you know, passed the bar or anything. Um, so yeah, but I read lots of textbooks and I, what I love to do is I did this with Do No Harm and I did it with conviction as well, is uh, read autobiographies by people in that role, because it's one thing to learn what they do on a day to day, but it's kind of, I'm fascinated by what they do when they take off you know, the wig and robe, what do they do when they get home? What do they do, you know, are, do they have any friends or is it that really that competitive or, you know, the, the, the ins and outs of how uh, the, legal the le uh, legal justice system in England and Wales, for instance, is, you know, crumbling from underfunding and backlog of cases, um, under, you know, awful pay. You know, there's all these things that I get to explore, but through hearing the real experiences of people. And then when it comes to the case, I won't name it, but yeah, there was a, actually there was a, a few cases that kind of became an amalgamation and inspired the um, fictional uh, crime that happens in this book. Um, and because it basically it's around familicide and mm. did did this person do it? Did he not do it? But at the heart of that is kind of talking about, you know, the, the phenomenon of familicide. Um, which is when a person, a member of a family kills their family. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of like a, it's it's an exploration into that particular type of crime because there's mass murder, there's domestic violence, there's, but then when it's usually a man that wipes out their family and there's usually reasons why. And I just think it's, I think it's an important uh, topic to cover. Um, and I think it was, a, it was, it felt it felt good to explore that and then and kind of raise awareness to it as well like to put it on the page and not sc be scared away from it and not talk about it like us British people can do sometimes oh yeah it's the yeah. <laughs> versions of a story you definitely it's not that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I mean and the other thing you know you wrote you know harm you've you know written previous books you've got conviction and the thing is with thrillers especially when you're doing niche areas like you are readers will pick that apart if you've got somebody who's in the medical profession who picks up do no harm, they're going to go through that. Be like, well, that wouldn't happen. You, you know, you've got a barrister go through like, well, they'd never do that. That is that ever kind of daunting to you? Oh, terrifying! Absolutely <laughs> terrifying. I uh, so I've got um, author friends who were previously or currently are barristers, and I didn't want to ask them to read my book because <laughs> you know with authors we ask our friends to read our books and give quotes, and I didn't want to ask them. I was like, no. So I'm talking um, uh, Nadine Matheson, uh, Leah Middleton, uh, Harriet Tice. And luckily, they all said really lovely things. So I couldn't have been wrong if they liked it. <laughs> exactly. Because they'd have been like, uh, Jack, a bit awkward. <laughs> Although, yeah, oh, my God. Exactly. And also, it's the fine details as well. And this is why it takes so much research in like, so for instance, I mean, um, you also, you do, you do get to twist your version of events. Uh, so for instance, with, so with um, Do No Harm, Dr. Anna Jones wouldn't actually be a doctor because she's a um, because she's a surgeon, um, a consultant. She would be Ms. Anna Jones. But when right. writing it, I wanted her to have that uh, authorial uh, position over everyone else. And Doctor on the page, just, you just saw that she was above everyone else. So in technically, that's incorrect. But that was a creative choice I made, knowing that some people might might not like it. Luckily, very few people mentioned it, and I thought that would be a big bugbear for people. And then with um, conviction, with like the legal things, I, so now when you have like the, the, the case brief, it's not tied up in a ribbon anymore. It's sent digitally. That's not as sexy. So, <laughs> so I had it. That, isn't as cool. <laughs> exactly. So Neve takes over the case from an older barrister 
who demanded that he had the original ca uh, case files uh, bound in ribbon because um, that's how he worked. And I thought, well, of course it was a man who said that. So I thought, well, that works perfectly. And luckily no one's picked that up either. <laughs> but yeah, so I think you do end up twisting it for your um, own kind of version of events and things. But yeah, so yeah, it's there's very minute details. Um, even with cases uh, like the brief, like the briefcase I was talking about with the, with the ribbon, prosecutors and defence barristers have different coloured ribbons um, on their things, which I didn't know. And I luckily got right. But so there's aspects like that that it's really difficult to, there's yeah. the, you always get something wrong. I think every book gets something wrong. I think we just got to let ourselves forgive ourselves. But I don't think I've done anything yet. Touchwood. Touch yeah, touchwood. No one's told me yet. And don't tell me if you do see anything. <laughs> I know nothing. So yeah. I, was, I was like, he knows everything about this. Let's go with that. I do. You're right. I do. <laughs> and at the time of recording, we're talking right now, it is imminent. How how does that feel knowing that your book is around the corner? It's about to come out. How does what does that feel like? It, which I think with every book, and I think whatever stage of your career you're at, you're all, it's always going to be daunting and frightening because you never know what's going to happen. You never know if it's going to do well. You never know if um, it's going to live up to, for instance, we were talking earlier about how Juno Harm was, had a really big presence. And you think, can you follow that, that pressure? Um, and so, yeah, so at the moment, I'm feeling a bit scared. Good scared, excited, but scared. And yeah, I think it's, what yeah, it's just... Can you tell I'm scared? I'm rambling, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, so, yeah. I'm really scared. <laughs> I, I, I'm actually really scared. I'm going to be really vulnerable for a moment. Okay, Danny, I'm really scared. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm frightened, help me. No, so no, it's, um, yeah, no, it's it's always really exciting. And I get I get to do events as well. So I'll be going to do events next week and the week after, um, which will be really fun. And I just get to, I get to meet readers and be out in the world. And, you know, most of the time I sit around talking to fictional characters. So it's quite nice to actually meet real people. And, and they're so lovely and so excited. And that's such a, pleasure yeah and we mentioned before obviously you know we met at the book party do no harm within the kind of bookstagram community was it was a huge deal for you what would you say kind of book blogging has that paid a real part for you what do you kind of feel about that community as a whole in terms of for you and your writing integral I so I mean so my journey has been uh, in writing has been quite long so I've been writing for 13 years and I originally started out so I'm with Simon Schuster now, um, and so, uh, my agent is called Madeleine Milburn. She's amazing. But in the past, I've had a different agent. I've had a different publisher. And before that, I was I began my career self-publishing and did two titles and um, and did really well at that, luckily. Um, so it kind of led me on the path that I'm at today. Um, but when I was self-publishing, that is when I made so many of my book blogging connections and, and and genuine friends who I so I've got friends who like, I still remember the first book blogger who ever read my book and that was Michelle Riles at the book magnet uh, and that was god eight years ago and because I was so happy that someone had accepted my book and was going to take their time to read it and review it and was so lovely about it and then and then I've got a friend Ellen who reviews my books every time and we meet at Harrogate every year and have a really good fun and drink in the tent and so I think it's it's really important for me and I also, I think it's really important for authors and, and book lovers in general who have that online presence. It's lovely to have our own little community, yeah. I think, because it's, you know, writing is quite a, a, solitude, a solitude act. Um, but then to share that love with other people who get it, because so many people on our lives don't get it right. You know, it's like, why, why have you still got your nose in that book? People don't get it. But we've got we found our tribe that do get it. And I think that is 
once you've got that, don't let it go. And then, I mean, when, then with Dina Harm, with like, Bookstagram, it just was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, Tandem Collective did a read-along and yeah. seeing all the posts that people did of, so with Dina Harm, it was like the medical thing. So they did all these videos and photos. And, and to think that this was just an idea in my head that I wrote down and was thought, I hope people like it. And then to see this product at the end of people putting their own creative spin on it is just such an honour. Um, and conviction is going to be with uh, having a read along with Town and Collective as well. And I can't wait to see what happens with that. Then, yeah, it's just an honour. And I love as well you explaining kind of your writing journey. Because I think for some people, you know, I write, I would love to be a published author one day, but there's this idea, you know, you, you get an agent, that's it. You're just going to sell books. That's it forever. And it's really interesting that you say there's a, you know, a journey. People go into it in different avenues and you kind of find yourself maybe with one agent, you're self-publishing or you're, you know, doing eBooks on Amazon. And I love the fact, you know, it's not just, you know, you literally get an agent and that's it. It's cut and done. Yeah. You're now a writer. It's still a journey, right? Oh, totally. It, it, I mean, my, my, I mean, so I've been writing for 13 years now and I've been published for eight. I think that's the maths. I'm really bad at maths. I think that's right. <laughs> um and my career has been an absolute roller coaster and I think it's been at its best in the last few years so that was a decade of ups and downs and what am I doing and I'm spending you know I'm spending all my money and time and energy and commitment into this and what if it doesn't work out and you know all the you know a roller coaster of a journey um being dropped by a publisher being dropped by an agent but you know like so many lows so there's so many highs of when I signed with Simon Schuster auction and all the buzzwords that we love to hear of, you know, all the amazing things that happened. Um, and then, you know, and then having the amazing launch of Do No Harm, which was kind of like a second coming of my career, really. Um, and it was just, it, it's been such a long journey, but one I wouldn't change the world. So I think if anyone's writing at the moment and struggling of, will I make it? Will I make it? Every writer feels that. Um, and then we once you get there, then you think, will I keep it? Will I keep it? Because we want to keep going. It's yeah. just a constant. I think the journey is just constant. But I think you end up finding, I mean, it took me 13 years, but you find a constant where you think, oh, no, actually, I can handle I can take this. I can take the ups and downs. I've got the proof now of the journey behind me. So I think it just, yeah. Oh, what I would say to anyone is celebrate every high, however small that high is, because there's so many lows. The rejection in this industry is infamous. So when you get a high celebrate the hell out of it pop champagne if you drink uh buy a cake if you don't you know like it's really celebrate and just enjoy that so when I got a um an email from an agent once there's different types of agency responses aren't there some of the generic copy and paste um and then others are tailored to you because they've read your work they like your work they you know they tell you how you have promise and I my first one of those I printed and framed on my desk that was a celebratory <laughs> moment I thought I made that and so that, I was celebrating that milestone so yeah, I think if people celebrate that, their journey, all of those different ways, I think it just makes it so much better. Yeah. And speaking of a journey, this is a question you may or may not be able to answer. What comes next for you? Do you know what you're going to be working on? Are you working on it currently? What comes next for you? Yes. So I'm working on one currently. I can't say too much, but I will say it's another moral dilemma, but very different. It is a look at vengeance. It's a look at grief. It's a look at it's probably what I'll, I'll say it's my deepest book I think and it is it's it, it I'm very excited about it I'm really enjoying it I think it's a step up I I, I just it's, it's something very different for me but in the same way different in terms of fun to explore um and fun to share but ultimately still got the Jack Jordan components that people want to pick up 
Um, but yeah, so I think it's at the moment I'm at 50,000 words. I should be at much more than that. Um, I, so that's a bit stressful. Uh, I decided to um, publish Do, Do No Harm Paperback in April, move house in May, published conviction in June I was meant to meet my deadline through that and it hasn't happened <laughs> but um but yeah I, I I live life right on the edge Danny yeah. but um but yes yeah, so and no, I but I so once conviction is launched and have all and I've got all the fun and the partying out the way then I just need to knuckle down and write away and that's so that'll be my summer writing and editing love it I love it right so now your novel evening um I have no idea who to expect at this party. I'm very, very excited because we know you love a party, right? I've seen you in full swing. <laughs> but I know you love a party. I know we're going to expect good things. So to kick things off, the first question is, where are we going to go for your novel evening? So, I mean, because we're recording this in June and that is Pride Month. So I thought that I would create a, this is going to be like a Pride Month celebration. Yes. So queer characters or queer authors. Um, but then the place, I don't know if we can call it um, queer. I guess we could, I mean, it's very grand. It's very, uh, it's very elegant. So do you know what we are? Today, yeah. Mandalay from Rebecca is queer. <laughs> it's yes. a queer space. So we're going to be in the library, I think, just by the fire with the books and all the drama that's happened in there. We can just sit in there and soak it. And also then afterwards, we can say we're going to the loo and really sneak off and search Mandalay. I love that. Really yeah, nosy. we would. We absolutely would. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be rifling through those drawers. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go to the wings. We're not allowed to go. Look at all the paintings. And actually, oh my God, I've just thought this off the cuff. You know, they obviously have the party in Mandalay where they all dress up. Yes. We'll do that. So the oh, a costume party. Yeah. Yes. I'm oh, there for it. Oh, so oh, so I, I, I didn't even think about what I would dress up as, but we'll, I'll decide that at the end. Yeah, <laughs> we are that's revealed. semantics. Yeah, yeah. there'll be a grand yeah. reveal at the end when you're like, I'll be off. Okay. Yeah. okay I'm going to like Cleopatra or something. If I'm going to do this, I'm being carried down the litter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Okay. So we're at Mandalay. It's looking beautiful. There's, you know, candlelight. Who's going to be the first person coming down the stairs? It's going to be Sue and Maud from Fingersmith. Um, so it's the two characters who were each other's uh, tumultuous love affair within this book, um, and I, yeah, I want to see what they, I want to see what they're, what they're up to after. And also, they deserve a party. They went through hell, so I want them to be at the party. They absolutely do. I can remember being oh my god, I must be like fifteen when I read Fingersmith, and oh my goodness, that was like I'd never read a book that had women you know, falling in love and being yeah. sensual with each other and having sex. And it was like in a historical setting because I loved, you know, historical fiction. It was- Me too. Yes. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God. I, I mean, I love Sarah Waters. I think, I mean, I've already, I'm this This is a, it's quite a big party. Uh, so I thought I'm going to invite Sue and Maud because, you know, they deserve it. And I'm not going to invite Sarah Waters because I just spend the entire time saying, when's your book, next book coming out? And, you know, she'd get annoyed yeah. and have to leave. So I didn't invite Sarah Waters, even though I adore her. And also I'd be too shy, I think, I wouldn't speak. But so, yeah, so Sue and Maud from Pinksmith, definitely. And I love that book. And I actually recommend rereading it because I've reread it since quite a few times. And when you know the twists and turns that are coming, it's amazing what clues you pick up that you didn't realise were there before. Ooh, interesting. I'm going to have to do a reread now. Now that you said that, oh, I'm intrigued. Just, oh, I love it so much. Okay, so they're going to descend hand in hand down into the library, which I love. Okay, who's next? 
Then we've got Harry Kane from A Place Called Winter, which is a book by uh, Patrick Gale. I, I mean, I love that book because I think it is just, it's, it's actually a story of uh, Patrick Gale uh, embellished of his own grandfather's story, um, basically about how, how gay men lived in the time that the uh, book was based and what they went through and how basically this man is uh, expedited to Canada. Uh, you know, he's you know, and, from his family and society and just treated awfully um, and how he survived that. Um, and he's telling the story from a mental institution where he's been sent because he's gay. So it's very, it's it's so eye-opening. And I think as a gay man, I think I was so relieved to see a part of our history on the pages because in school you don't learn about that or I certainly didn't um and you know, I think when it comes to queer history we have to to learn about it we have to find it and when I found it within those pages I it, it filled a part of my soul and I said yeah and Harry Kane is, my, is the sweetest character who went through hell um he's got a stutter he's just a heart of gold and um and and he can, I, I I don't want to spoil it for anyone uh, so I'll just say he can bring a plus one oh sounds like he needs a damn good party yes he's and he's and he's wonderful and gorgeous it is in my head anyway that's the thing about books isn't it (laughs) it's how you picture them yeah I love that and like you say it's so interesting because we don't learn that history that's not the history it's taught but yeah even you learn about Alan Turing in school that that is never mentioned you know the rest of his life is never talked about and like you say you have to really dig for that yeah it's, it's like yeah oh he, you know he, he he saved us and he's the grandfather of the computer oh by the way we ke- uh, chemically castrated him but we don't want to mention that yeah we, we just leave that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy so I love I love hearing you say that I've not read the book but I'm going to add it to my list because it sounds beautiful and also because I mean I, I'm actually going to mention a lot of it I love my my secret my favorite I don't say oh actually no, I say it all the time why am I saying that oh, but I my ple- my personal pleasure when reading um is historical fiction I love it um, but I'm very I'm picky about my historic my 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 uh, historical areas. So I love Victorian enough. I'm ve- I don't even go that much lower unless it's kind of um, 16th century in France. Or I'm really picky. It's really weird. But I love the Victorian era. Same. I don't really read probably from Victorian onwards. I tend to read late. You know, kind of later than that. Oh, interesting. It's very interesting. Okay, okay. Well, I love that, you know, Harry's here, he's bought plus one, he's talking in the corner, you know, the party, so we've already got four guests, so things are starting to, you know, get going now, so who's next? Yeah, I think we definitely need someone to liven it up, because I think Sue and Maud are going to be quite shy, Harry's definitely going to be shy, Uh, his plus one will be there and probably be shy, Um, but I'm not saying who his plus one is, because I want you to read the book. Um, I'm going to invite someone controversial, but who I love because I love a complicated character. I'm going to invite Grace Marks from Alias Grace. Oh! Is she a serial killer? Was she wrongly convicted and then pardoned? Who is she and who have I just invited to this party? Are we safe? Bowls. But I love her. I love complicated women. And from what I can read from the book, the only love she really had was for um, a woman when they were teenagers. Uh, so, it, So to me, she's got that she is queer and she's allowed into the party into our prime celebration um but is she you know is she a fox amongst the hens who knows we might get some answers as well though yeah you know, definitely in, in, in a comfortable environment she might start to open up definitely we have found out the truth yes but then what happens at mandley stays at mandley so we'll just know and not tell anyone yeah. <laughs> just never talk about it again but it'd be yes. good to know it would be so good 
Oh, okay. I love that choice. That was such a good book as well. Okay. All right. I'm I'm enjoying this. This is some good good choices. Okay. Who's next? So then it's going to be Seely from The Colour Purple. I haven't read this book in so long, but I just remember how that character made me feel and that kind of journey she went through from just trauma and and nothing to her name to building something for herself and finding out who she is. Um, and I think she deserves a damn good party. And, and um, she'd bring a damn good party. As and well. she would bring you a know, damn good like party. I feel like she really would. If she was like, cutting loose and able to have fun, she'd bring that party. Exactly. And um, what I, this is what I love about this Pride Celebration we've got going. It's a safe space. So everyone can be who they want to be, bring who they want to bring. And just, yeah. And so I just, I'm this safe space I'm loving. So yeah, so Celia's going to love it. Oh, um, oh, it's gorgeous. And then this person can't drink alcohol unless she, unless we're doing it that she's grown up. Uh, so whether she, we're inviting characters from their time. Well, actually, I hope so, because otherwise everyone on my list would be dead. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just realised I, I read. I read rules, and, yeah, we can bend some rules. Yeah, <laughs> they're either ancient or dead. But no. Um, so no. So Cameron Post from the Miseducation of Cameron Post. I think she oh. deserves to be in a room of people flourishing for who they are. I think she went, you know, so if you haven't read The Miseducation of um, Cameron Post for anyone listening, it's about the story of a teenager who falls in love with her best friend and is sent to a um, uh, a conversion camp by her cruel aunt. Um, and it's kind of just the hell of fighting for your own identity when you're being told that's wrong. Um, and, and so, yeah, so I want her to have a safe space where she can see everyone around her who have found who they are and having fun and just a safe space. And yeah, so I want her to enjoy that. Oh, I love that. I love that. And you know, the scary thing is those camps are still happening. Yeah. It's still going to this. It's, it's horrendous. Like you said, I think the most important thing is people being able to see other people just being themselves. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I mean, I remember as a, as a gay kid, it, when I met another queer person, I was like, Oh, oh my God, other people exist. And oh my God, you're happy. Oh my God, you have a partner. Oh my God, you're, you're well, they weren't married then, but like civil partnership, like what? <laughs> it blew my mind that it was allowed. Um, so I think it was, yeah. So I think, yeah, have that safe space for people to give people hope, I think. So yeah, Cameron, come and enjoy yourself, but you can't drink because yes. you're not old Can't enough. have drink. No. Yeah. <laughs> None for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, gorgeous. Have you got anybody else coming? Yes, so I've got three more people and then I promise I'll stop. No, I love it. I love a big party. So now we're, so we've got the we've got the queer characters down, but now I want authors from the LGBTQ plus community to come. So one author I absolutely love is Mumra Bergdorf. Uh, so she did her book Transitional, a nonfiction book um, about the life as a trans person and trans non-binary person. And it is, I mean, I have always loved her from Instagram, I think, and I've followed her from the days of the L'Oreal controversy, and just she's just such an amazing voice, um, and and just stunning as well, and just uh, she's oh, my just, sort of person, and yeah. so I would want her there, um, and she would bring a damn good party. I just know she would. Oh, absolutely! Um, and I love you know when you said like the L'Oreal controversy, like I'm sorry, have you looked at her? Exactly, I know. You have eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, insane. It's like, yeah, I am yeah. not trans. There's no, you know, there's no candle being held here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mean? stop it. You are beautiful. <laughs> but I mean, like, she is stunning. Also, she seems genuinely, like, warm. Yeah. Despite the odds of just, I think, I mean, I mean being, I mean, being, as a gay man, I know that the world can be extremely hostile, but especially at the moment, being a trans and binary person, that is just going to be hell on earth. And so I think if you can be a light for other people during that, I just think you are an amazing person. And that is who Mumro is to me. Um, 
and she's going to look amazing whatever costume she comes in oh my god you're right actually she can't come because she'll look better than me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she can't <laughs> you look far too good i'm just thinking of the dress she just wore too oh god what ceremony was that it was blo- it was blo- i literally see this is how sty- bloody stylish she is because i'm remembering what she's worn she wore like this almost like baby blue dress but it looked like it was wet the pattern made it look like it was oh so yeah so now i'm worried because now she's gonna look really good and now i'm gonna spend the whole time worrying what to wear but it, it's very forgiving and we're in Mandalay, and so you know it's gonna be dim good idea oh you you made me feel better you made me feel better okay and then there is uh juno dawson the author yes i um, her new book has just arrived literally a couple of days ago amazing. also the colors it's like hot pink and turquoise and absolutely beautiful they're so hot and also we live in the same town so i see her sometimes so like, i'll be oh, writing in a cafe and i'm like oh my god juno just walked past and i get a little bit starstruck um uh you know i've, I've done that weird smile at her once and she's like who are you could we have a met?" <laughs> but i'm like but I know you. <laughs> so at the party, I'll finally introduce myself and say sorry for smiling weirdly at you, Gina. You should just introduce yourself. You should just do it. If you're in a bakery or something, just be like, oh, I'm, my name's Jack. Love your work. Yeah. I'm a writer. Yeah. And I'm also buying the bread. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be like, I'm just going to take my rolls out. Here, <laughs> we both like Tiger Loaf. Wow. Again, uh, he'd also look insane. So, yes. oh my god, yeah, it's, it's just, do you know, yeah, do you know, I do feel like I'm shooting myself in the foot here, but like I'm you really said, doing dirty. <laughs> yeah, actually, what actually, let's cancel, let's cancel and rethink this, but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then, and then there's one more character, and then I promise that is our party full because we don't want too many people because otherwise no. we won't be able to talk to everyone. Um, and um, it is this is someone who I would want to when I'm in the smoking area and I'm a little bit tipsy, I would want to ask them all the questions so I think this is probably as a gay man the most profound book I've ever read and again it's part of queer history that I didn't learn in school and I think this was what taught me that queer history was out there just wasn't made accessible and I that's when it clicked in my head I thought oh we you know we existed and we went through hell but no one talks about it and it was that moment when I realized and it's so I'm inviting Hans Newman but he wrote um the men with the pink triangle under the pseudonym Heinz Hager so it tells the story, uh, the true story of um, gay men and queer people in uh, Nazi concentration camps. And it was just so, and basically this book, it tells the story from beginning to end of a true person who went through this. And it, I'm getting shivers thinking about it. I haven't read it in years, but it's just the most profound book ever. Um, and the person who this is, the story follows is just such a beautiful person that went through hell. And I think, and it isn't that, it's, it's, it actually reminds me of Harry Kane a little bit from a place called Winter, where these beautiful souls are just put through hell and they're the people I want to fight the most for. Um, and so he's, and so, yeah, so Hans Newman, who isn't the person who went through it, but is the person who told the story of the person who did. Uh, I definitely want Hans to come uh, because then he can kind of, Tell us all of the inside secrets. Tell us how this person that he based the book on is doing now or, or, or did do after the book came out. Um, and again, have a party and just see how history has progressed. I mean, we've got a long way to go in a lot of areas, but there's also some really good parts to you know our community and things that we can do and achieve. And so I think that's, yeah, I think I'd want him to see that for sure. And also how beautiful to be able to show them now that you know there are people married and having children and you know my children go to school with with you know many children the same sex parents my kids don't even think about it you know our neighbors are are two women who are wonderful they have two gorgeous children and my kids don't even they're like oh yeah we have two mums like 
Yeah. And, and it's amazing how, I mean, I know it, history, it, it's difficult because there's so many ways in which we haven't progressed, which is so frustrating. Yes. But then looking back at when I was in school, I don't remember anyone with the same sex parents. And no. if they did, it would have been a scandal. Uh, and then, I remember you know, being like a, you know, a bi teenager. You couldn't say that. There's no way, even just being bi, you couldn't say that. Yeah, yeah. And then, and, and then the worst part is, is that when you're a bi teenager, then they're just like, oh, but you're actually gay. You're just saying you're bi. So you're, it almost, yes. it then downgrades who you actually are and what you're actually out to, you know, you're, you're, I'm out and proud and you're not allowed to be because they think you're saying you're actually, you're this. It's, it's a weird, school's a weird environment. Schools are so, but I do love now, you know, I'm, I'm friends with some, I go to university now. Yeah. um so and I'm obviously a mature student um <laughs> so I'm hanging out with 18 year olds but they are <laughs> that generation not you know completely just kind of say it as a blanket statement but they were kind of talking about being non-binary and being gay and being bi so openly yeah and I was really quite emotional because I thought oh my god you're 18 and you know yourselves yeah you're talking about being like a, a bi man which I know you know as a bi woman there's still stigma but I know as a bi man that could be something special when you're younger that's really kind of gets a lot of kind of judgment just talking about it openly in a public space to people you've just met and I remember thinking we've got a long way to go but slowly but surely you can see with the generations yeah. as it becomes more accepted and more I'd hate to use the word normal but the yeah. more our children are just surrounded by loving parents you know happy out proud gay people you know trans non-binary eventually just becomes the norm yeah because I think the frustrating part of all of it is is that we are all in this world normal but it, we're treated abnormally so when you just take that treatment away it's just we're all just people living our lives and just being who we are and it's just yeah and so that yeah that is why this party at Manderley is going to be so good we're oh, just going to be beautiful. ourselves we're going to do what we want to do eat cake drink champagne tell stories and then you know I, and at the end probably have to get out that um uh cards against humanity or something you know slice yeah. it up I'm, I want to introduce some historical bit. fictional characters to Cards Against Humanity. They won't know where hit them. <laughs> I don't know. I was, so I read um, the, uh, Curious History of Sex, which I highly recommend oh. because it's amazing. But also, they was filthy back then. Like, we think we've got it now, but especially the Victorians. I'm just saying. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> actually, to be fair, I'm saying this, and then I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. Sue and Maud were in a Sue, Ward, uh, Sue uh, Sarah Waters book. And, you know, and before that was Tipping the Velvet. And that was pretty kinky. So <laughs> they might teach us a thing or two. We might be less like. Yeah. I'm very vanilla. <laughs> I am compared to all of these historical fictional characters. <laughs> like, I love that. And look, the question I ask everybody is, is there anybody you don't want to turn up at your party? And I think it's a fairly obvious answer here based on what you've created. Yeah, I think any fictional character or living author who is in any way against the LGBTQ plus community is not welcome to our wonderful party. This is a time for everyone to be themselves and to be accepted and liberated and celebrated. And yeah, anyone who is not uh, uh, supportive of that can go to a different party. <laughs> you don't get to enjoy this beautiful party. No, exactly. Do you know what? Is, this is about us tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I'm like, do you know what? You're actually missing out. So you go and have your shit party. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're going to have this glorious evening in Mandalay. We're going to be all candlelit. And the question you didn't yet answer is, who would you be going as? Oh, my God. That's so true. <laughs> uh, do you know what? I think because it's a queer party and because I haven't invited a drag queen, which is really naughty, I'm going to dress in drag and my 
drag name will be, I had to think of this off the cuff once. Um, uh, oh, God, uh, oh God, what was it? Um, uh, Miss, uh, Miss Jackfruit, uh, because <laughs> and there's there's whole there's so many different names to that because Jack and Fruit, you know, gay yeah. Jack. But also, I was asked this by a drag queen when I was ordering the vegan kebab, which was made of jackfruit. So I went Miss Jackfruit, and luckily it had loads of meaning. So I'd be Miss Jackfruit, dressed in beautiful drag. Um, and I just thought, and you know, I just thought of one more guest that I'm going to take. He'll be my plus one, which is. Holly Stars, who is an amazing drag queen and performer, um, but is also an author to watch out for, is all I'll say. So that'd be, yeah, so a new author to enjoy coming very soon. Exciting. Also, you would look phenomenal in drag. I'm just, I'm just saying. Doorways would be the enemy because I'm already 6'4". <laughs> and then put me in drag. And your hair would heels. be an extra, like, foot. <laughs> I think Mandy has really tall ceilings, though, actually. So I think it would be okay. That's true. What I are you going to well, I'm just going to, oh. But I said Cleopatra originally, but now I'm like, why am I even bothering to go? I'll go as like a snail or something. Like all these gorgeous women and drag queens. What's the point? I'll just go as like a slug. No way. Why don't you do drag too? You could be a drag queen yes. or a drag king. You could be whatever you wanted to be. I could I could pull off a moustache. I actually, do you know what? I would go as my all-time favorite queer man. And I would be Freddie Mercury. Because I have oh, loved yeah. Freddie Mercury. My dad was such a big queen fan. And I can remember watching I Want to Break Free when I was probably about five and I was in love with these men dressed like women. And I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. So I would be Freddie Mercury. I'd have yeah, a I love crown. that. Oh, this, I, this, I, I'm actually really sad that this party isn't going to happen. So we have to make it happen. I don't we're know gonna how we're going to do it. We're going to do a drag party. Exactly. I want a time machine. I want, um, uh, I want uh, a wizard to perform these real these fictional characters coming to life i want this to happen for us <laughs> i'll tell you now if we could get the book community to a drag party that would be lit can you oh imagine the lengths people would go to that would be so good and oh if you God. would drag as characters yes oh my god okay who would uh, uh, that's a bonus crown i'm gonna ask you that question what would your uh, other than fact, so a literary character who would you drag up to be and that could Ooh. be you could be a drag king so you could be a male character or you could be a female character and drag queen it up or a doesn't minor character. Oh, that's a real time. I'm like looking at my shelves. Like, who would I go as? Do you know what? It's not only it's a historical. If I was gonna do a full drag queen, I'd want to be Marie Antoinette. And I'd want yes. the biggest hair you've ever seen with like a ship on top of it. I'd want like 20 skirts, and I want to be able to just take them off all the time. Just like endless skirts, hoops, and that's what I would do. And she loved a party so that would that is literally just the perfect that would be yeah yeah oh my god you'd, you'd have to have act outfit changes i'd want you to be freddie and then be uh, marie antoinette i'd want you to <laughs> you'd be the running up and down the stairs. yeah <laughs> i love this so much and honestly this is what pride is about like right here this is what it's about it's about beautiful people coming together having the best time and just loving who they are Exactly, and it's and if only if only every month were like that. But thank God we've got June, and we thank God we've got each other, and that's yeah, I love that, and I'm so glad we did that. Me too. I love this. This might actually be one of my favourite novel evenings. Yes, I'm going on. I'm going on record. I think this is probably my favourite. Yeah. Okay. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold you to that. If you get a new favourite, we can't talk. <laughs> <laughs> this is my favourite. I've loved this. And before I let you go and enjoy the rest of this sweltering hot evening, uh, are you reading anything at the moment? 
Yes, I am reading uh, American Wife by Curtis Sessenfield. Yes. I am loving it. And I think it's because I, so I, uh, so I was kind of describing my uh, writing uh, at the moment, how it's very stressful and the publishing doing harm and then moving and pu- publishing conviction. It's all been quite hectic. So um, when I and when I'm re- when I am feeling quite stressed, I find it difficult to get really lost in a book. I I can't submerge myself. So if I pick up a book, and I get lost in it, I know I'm onto a winner. So I I began reading Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld, and loved it so much that before I'd finished that book, I bought her backlist. Mm-hmm. So and I went straight to American Wife, which I am loving it's so good I think it's it's this it's the novel that I hope this is the right first lady but based on the life story of Barbara Bush um Ooh. yeah it's amazing and then I've bought Rodham which is based on Hillary Clinton if she hadn't married Bill and so all these and then yeah and then there's more I have short story collections so yeah oh, I hadn't married Bill oh. yeah <laughs> yeah oh nice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that though I love that you have found this author and it's just like I'm getting everything yeah, and you know, it's isn't it such a treat when you find an author like that, and one that you didn't know about before? I just think it's such a gift, and also because as a writer, and you'll get this, it can be so. It's difficult to turn off the work brain when you're reading because you're thinking of writing, you're thinking of your own story, you're thinking of the book, the words you've got to write tomorrow. It can be well, the so comparison just... game. You're reading something, you're like, oh, how am I going to write like this? How am I going to? Yeah, exactly. And I think so. That's why I, I, I don't really read the thriller genre anymore unless I'm doing it for research um, or reading a friend's book, um, because I just it, it I, I've got I'm, I'm in work mode. But when I'm reading for uh, I mean, every book I read is for pleasure. But uh, when I sit down and pick up a book purely of my own volition, it is uh, usually historical and that. Yeah. And so I think. So the my, reading uh, American Wife is just just my cup of tea, um, and I love Sarah Waters. So I, and I reread. I'm a binger. I binge TV shows over and over again. And I reread yep. books over and over again. Okay. I used to reread all the time, but obviously my TBR has become somewhat problematic at this yeah. point. So I really shouldn't do it. There's like 450 unread books. So I'm like, oh, and we're just reading the same one over and over again. Yes. <laughs> I can't do it. They all stare at me sadly. I get guilt. So I'm like, right. You know, and like the other Billinger, I have reread that so many times till the like, spine has fallen off. Okay, I need to, because I love the film and I haven't read the book yet. That's insane oh, to me. Let me read the film this shit compared to the uh, book. Oh, it definitely, I mean, that's usually always the case, isn't it? I think it's just, yeah, it's, oh, that's amazing. Uh, who is the author of that again? Oh, it's the in my Gregory. head. That's it. Yeah, okay. I need to you know, you, you know, you've inspired me. I need to read that. And because also do. that goes Please further back in history. Young Henry. Oh. Mm, everything you thought about Henry VIII gone <laughs> really i was like i think i'd have married him <laughs> oh was he hot in the book as he was in the film yes uh okay yeah i'm invested <laughs> no, read it and then please message me it's my all-time favorite book and tell me what you think yeah, i've also got that on recording <laughs> oh yeah definitely you've got, you've got to hold me to that uh cool i've written that down so yeah i'm going to read that this summer because i yeah i need my historical books too so once okay, i've read yeah, all of Curtis's books i'm going to read that beautiful well thank you this has honestly been i'm so glad we did this it was worth the wait this was so much fun and yes conviction next week it is going to be out in people's hands and it's going to do fantastically yeah 22nd of june and if you'd like a signed copy you can get them from waterstones.com or in stores beautiful well thank Thank you you again and enjoy the rest of your evening and uh, i will speak to you very very soon thank you so much for having me this has been an absolute pleasure